0: Hello, welcome back to the podcast series, Machine Learning and AI Applications. Today, we are doing an interesting conversation in our uh, season three podcast. This is uh, podcast 25, I would say, the overall podcast 25, and in this season three, today we are focusing on the public sector and how AI plays a big role in there. Yes, I think that is true what you're hearing. The global governments, local governments, yes, they do work a lot uh, on incorporating AI into their processes as well. We know a lot is happening and we do see a lot of turmoil and a lot of turbulence happening in many governments, but the governments do work effectively and they are in the process of leveraging some of these uh, AI technologies in their uh, processes. One such conversation today I'm having with a couple of guests from SAP, Craig Kennedy and Arun Matthew. And in this context, we will have a detailed conversation around the behavioral insights with SAP AI. So, Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. And as always, you will find or you will get more information at the end of our podcast. Hello, welcome back. This is uh, Raghubanda Banda again. Uh, our, this is uh, season three in the podcast series, Machine Learning and AI Applications. So today for this podcast session, I have uh, two guests from SAP, uh, and the topic is behavioral insights with SAP AI. So let me welcome uh, Craig Kennedy and Arun Matthew today. Hi, Craig. Hi, Arun. Craig, can you- Hi, Craig, can you give a quick introduction from your end?
1: Yes. Hi, this is Craig Kennedy. I am a product manager for SAP. I've worked for SAP for over 20 years, mainly in the public sector and higher education space. Um, And lately, I've been helping uh, build some AI and ML applications.
0: Thank you, Craig. Wonderful. And nice to have you on board. Uh, And over to you, Arun. I would appreciate if you can provide a brief introduction as well.
2: Uh, hi, uh, hi everyone. Myself, Aaron Matthew. Uh, I'm the product owner for S4HANA Behavioral Insights. have been with SAP for about uh, 10 years now, and uh, um, I have uh, worked on various public sector topics like uh, um, the taxation, the, the budget planning, and the higher education in, in the past years. Um, and thanks for having me here in this podcast.
0: Thank you, guys. All right. So like I always uh, do in these podcast sessions, I kind of start with a teaser question and let me first put it to you, Craig. I know we all go through different experiences in our daily lives, whether it is personal or professional, and we might have noticed how AI is affecting our lives. Maybe if you can quote one such example before we get into this conversation, that will be great
1: sure yeah one example that opened my eyes uh to all of this ai is is music uh, i'm a big fan of music i listen to music when i work i listen to it outside of work a lot and i my kids are always amazed when i have such a wide range of music going from like orchestra music to rap to rock to you know old old types of music but um in the last, I guess probably even fifteen to 10, 10 to fifteen years ago, uh, I was listening and and I found this great service that I could figure out if you like this thing, you might like this other artist or song, and I was surprised at how good it did. You know, so if I if I clicked like on something, it it was called Pandora, and uh, and I still have that application. But there's lots like it now today. It's it's become much more pervasive. So I used to spend hours of time scouring, you know, if I, I know I like this, this artist, talk to people, search the internet, try and find things on my own. But this one service just made it one click away. It saved me a lot of time and it's opened my eyes to even much better things out there. So I'm, I'm, I, was, I didn't know how that worked, but you know now that time has passed, I'm working on AI, I realize it was all simple AI algorithms.
0: That's an amazing example, Craig. I, I, I still believe in my childhood days how we used to scout for music and get these tapes or CDs. And now with this digitalization and having this iTunes or uh, MP4 music. And then, like you said, uh, adding uh, like these uh, things like Pandora or Spotify who can kind of scout the music and find the recommendations. That's an amazing example you gave. Over to you, Arun. Could you also provide some, some such example in your personal life or professional life?
2: Yeah, sure, Raku. I would say uh, AI is already uh, an integral uh, part of my life, um, and uh, it is really making my life easier. Um, So starting with uh, reminding my uh, daily routines and uh, allowing me to monitor my home. Not only the monitoring to control my home when I am away, and uh, my day-to-day travel experiences by uh, giving the shortest routes and the the, the, the shortest time spans, and um, um, also giving the great um, the shopping experiences with uh, recommendations and suggestions. And when I reach office, um, I something shows me like a where is uh, the available store for for you to park your car, and uh, that's also awesome. So. I would say in my day-to-day life, it's uh, the AI is uh, really uh, getting reflected in some more other forms. And uh, it's 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 fantastic to see the, the revolution going on.
0: Amazing, uh, Aaron. I really uh, echo your uh, thoughts as well. Uh, I use these applications like Google Maps or Waze on a very daily basis. And here in the Bay Area, we have too much of a traffic and every day I end up using <laughs> And it reads a lot of my regular movement and then how it provides me different recommendations on a daily basis. That's really amazing to know. It's good to know. I think um, let us maybe take a quick break before we get into the our main topic of conversation today. All right, uh, welcome back. So. Now let us get into the topic of our today's conversation. So Craig, um, I have done a few podcasts in the past and this, is, this current podcast excites me because we are doing something in the space of public sector because uh, there is an inherent need to do some uh, machine learning use cases in this public sector. So this is one of the first known ML use cases from the public sector industry at least in SAP, that we developed by SAP. Can you comment a bit about that? Why the delay and why we are developing it now?
1: Sure. Great question. And uh, yeah, okay. we everybody wonders the same thing. Uh, maybe let's start with where are governments now? You know, most governments are, of course, in a, they, they're somewhere today, but they're always trying to improve believe it or not. you know Some people think government's job is to waste your time. It's not. Uh, most governments are trying to become more proactive, and that's the word, proactive, uh, or even predictive. Uh, whereas a, a, a recent survey that I read said that most governments actually consider themselves, about 85% of them, to be reactive. And that's probably why everyone's experience with government is not optimal. <laughs> Um, But this is exactly where AI can help, right? So artificial intelligence um, use cases are are everywhere in government, just like they're everywhere in in the private sector. Um, I've worked in government and higher education for my entire career. Most people kind of throw out the number that governments are 10 years behind the private sector in terms of technology or even in business processes. Um, I happen to have seen, you know, lots of, of, great government initiatives. So it's it's not always the government as a whole, it kind of goes case by case within a government. Um, and certainly what we've done in, in our recent uh, product here is to actually partner with very innovative governments. So they're out there. Um, I think what probably matters the most is the use case. You know, So you might just look at a government as one big thing, but really they are individual departments servicing specific processes. And there's many different ways AI could be used within the government. The biggest thing, just like in the private sector, is what's the payback? What's the value of the use case? And I think if governments find a use case where there's concrete value that they would be willing to invest. So um, our industry teams have done a lot of research in this in gov- in public sector, of course, uh, and they've identified something called the tax gap. Mm -hmm. So that's basically, the tax gap is like, how much money uh, should we be collecting in a tax versus what we actually collect? Um, If they're not collecting the money, that's a tax gap. You know, Mm -hmm. in other words, we pass laws that say, here's a tax rate, and then they expect a certain amount of revenue from that. And so they go out and build roads and go out and build, you know, different things. And then all of a sudden, they're not collecting enough money. So those are big problems. So that's the tax gap. They've actually identified specific numbers. They, they found in the US, it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars of tax gap. They found in, in the UK, it's like in the tens of billions of pounds. In the Australian government, it's, it's something like 30 billion uh, Australian dollars. So those big amounts of revenue being left out there and the reason I'm bringing that up is that's the perfect use case. That's concrete money, revenue um, that governments expect to collect, and they're just simply not able to. So um, wouldn't it be great if we could point artificial intelligence technologies at that problem and see if we could come up with innovations? And actually, that's what happened. So for us, we were approached by a government, mm-hmm. and they said around this exact use case, uh, could you could you build A machine learning model that helped identify certain taxpayers uh, in advance, so in a proactive manner, and figure out maybe not just that they might pay the late, but how how we could service them better. Perfect. So once that, so that's exactly that's the perfect case. They came to us. Um, We realized that that they're probably not alone. So my team, um, and that's Arun and I are on the same team here. We we basically were in charge of of turning this into a very, very much a turnkey solution for other governments.
0: Perfect, perfect. Amazing, uh, uh, Craig, I like the way you put it. I think the way you started, like in the current scenario, in the global political scenario that we are going through, having these kind of AI driven use cases could really realistically help a lot of governments and also kind of provide some harmonized, harmonized, governments and people can better use the government functioning and other things. So I really like the way you put it. And maybe uh, uh, to take this question further, uh, I would like to understand what is the basic problem in this current use case that you're trying to address, this behavioral insights ML use case, and how does this help? And of course, in, in this case, your customers are maybe different governments or maybe outside of that as well? And do you also have some other partners or partner solutions as well? Maybe could you talk a few bits around that? Sure.
1: Yeah, the use case is, uh, I guess we'll take it from the problem. What's the problem? The problem is that most governments have high rates of uncollected revenue. You know, this, this tax gap I talked about earlier, you know, and once they have this uncollected revenue, they, get into the collection process. So they're spending a lot of time and effort and money to go and collect that. So they're spending money to collect revenue. Uh, And in some cases, when they're not successful, they write it off and they don't collect it. Um, And of course, that affects the services they can provide. What makes it even worse is recently, and here we say the last two to three years, there's been horrific global events, uh, including a pandemic, lockdowns, so a lockdown directly affects a business and their potential to earn revenue, which then affects their ability to pay their tax. Uh, war, natural disasters, uh, all these have increased the probability that customers will be late paying their tax bill or might never pay it. So it's put this extra burden on the government, especially the tax and the collection department, to collect it. And up to now, they've really had no way of knowing in advance uh, who will pay and who won't. You know, they might have used some sort of collective knowledge, um, uh, you know, user by user, but for the most part, there's, no, there's never been uh, an algorithm or a model that, that gives them advice on, on, on what to do. But the idea is this, what if you could then use your own government data to power advanced insights into these customer behaviors? and if you could use that to increase your collections and collection success. That's what our product is. So it's called SAP S S for HANA for Behavioral Insights. Um, The whole idea is that it's more or less a turnkey machine learning scenario for a tax agency. It's designed to be flexible and extensible. So it could be used by any government. You know, governments come in different flavors and sizes. There's federal governments, there's state or provincial, there's local. They all have way different types of taxes. So each model might be a little different. Even within a government, you might have Mm -hmm. different models for each tax. So we had to build this to be very uh, flexible. And uh, the whole idea is that you would use it to, like I said earlier, become more proactive, become predictive. Um, If you, we think this might yield certain values, this might help increase the identification of these debtors before a tax is due, before it's too late, before they go out of business, um, and, and they might lose out on this revenue forever. So we think it could increase the identification as well as the recovery, um, and certainly the government that originally that we partnered with used this to save uh, tens of billions of dollars in revenue. So they're collecting more with less effort from the government in that collection process. Okay, and of course there's cash flow. So, you know, that's just another side benefit is that the more you collect and the quicker you collect, the better off you are because you don't have to borrow money. You don't have to, uh, you know, go out and find it from other sources. You don't have to stop your program. So cash flow is another de- big deal in, in government. And this this can help cash flow.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. I think this is definitely a niche idea for SAP because SAP is one of those enterprise software firms where we have presence in many countries globally as well as locally and with around different kinds of customers. So and and it is very true that this uncollected revenue and the bad debt is a very big problem, not only for private enterprises, but even governments, because that is where you could realistically put all this for good use. But how do you enforce that here in this case, the public sector, right, like to adhere to these regulated payments from their customers or their consumers? Mm-hmm. In the, here, maybe it's the citizens or whatever.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, maybe I'll start with the whole idea of behavior insights, right? So here I'm, I'm using the name of our product actually comes from um, a sort of new type of science or new type of study that's out there that that people call behavioral insights and it it basically is a concept that um, most people want to make the best decision for themselves right so it's like economic theory Uh, everybody's trying to improve themselves to optimize uh, things that they're incented to do something they'll do it better and quicker Uh, so most people uh, and also psychology right people tend to want to improve themselves just from a psychological perspective and so on. So if you combine um, psychology and economics and then math and statistics, you kind of get into this whole new world of, of behavioral insights. Some people call it nudge theory or nudge thinking. And it's the idea that what can I give you to get you to make the right decision? So there are certain times where you get nudged into doing something. Maybe we pay you to quit smoking or we pay you to pay your tax early, give you a discount, something like that. Uh, And it's good for you and it's good for the government, right? So that's the whole concept is we need to find places where we can nudge you just that little bit, whether it's psychological or whether it's uh, economical, you know, some money in your pocket to do something. Um, People in the UK have done a lot of work in behavior Insights, you know, they've done things where they tell you, hey, everyone, 98% of people pay their tax on time. And so in essence, you're weird if you're not paying your tax on time, or they've looked at different colors of envelopes. (laughs) And actually surprisingly, some matter, some things matter and some things don't matter. But that's the whole point is we need to find uh, incentives or techniques that get people to do the right thing. That's, that's best for everybody. Um, paying your tax bill is of course, what we're looking at. And uh, most people do generally have an intention of paying a tax on time. And if you ask them six months in advance, everyone would say, yes, I do plan on paying my taxes. Um, but as the day gets closer, different things happen. Whether it's you forget the tax bill was due or you've uh, spent the money elsewhere so it's not available for you uh, to, to to pay the taxes. It doesn't really matter. Something happened between that that six-month-ago time and today. Mm-hmm. And so really our job is to figure out, the based on each customer and their behaviors and so on, um, figure out how we could design something, an intervention or a nudge of some way that could help them pay the tax on time in this case. Um, you know, there's lots of ways you could use machine learning in, in the tax process, in the billing and collections process, whether it's just filing the tax on time or making the payment or not gaming the system. Um, so, you know, there's there's lots of ways. It might, it might, the intervention might be as simple as offering them a discount. It might be as simple as a reminder at the right time, um, or it could be, you know, it could be the other way. We could actually force you to pay A bill is sooner, you know, so don't give you 90 days to pay the tax. We might only give a person 30 days. We mostly actually are dealing with companies with the taxes we're dealing with. So it's not people, you know, it's not personal data in any way. We tend to have focused on uh, corporate taxes, you know, payroll taxes, things like this that are more government, more um, company focused. But the process is the same. It's just some of the behaviors are mostly like a corporate behavior, spending patterns, billing patterns, revenue, expense trends, things like that.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Amazing, uh, Craig. I like the way you put it, like uh, putting these four different uh, things like psychology, economics, math, and uh, your stats, right? Statistics. These are, Mm -hmm. and creating a powerful tool or a powerful algorithm based out of these human behaviors with the technological data. That's a great way uh, uh, when we design the solution. I remember interacting with one of those very early customers before S4HANA days when we had uh, our homegrown predictive analytics solution. I I think uh, this was way back in 2014 and I visited one of these home care uh, customers back in UK. I think, uh, yeah, that was a very good experience that I had. And when I saw this scenario solution with S4 and with our real uh, much more matured solution, I was very much excited. And thanks for laying that out in detail, uh, Craig. Let us take a quick break or quick pause and then come back and continue our conversation. All right, welcome back. So we are getting into an interesting conversation about how uh, the behavioral insights can help global governments, local governments, and make things better. Uh, So now, maybe let us go a bit more into the topic or the meat of our conversation. Uh, So before getting into these nitty-gritty of the details, maybe, Craig, let's briefly talk about the foundation of for having these behavioral insights functionality and the key principles that you are trying to incorporate here?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, so yeah, what are the key principles of behavioral insights? Uh, I'll summarize them in a a few points here. The first is that we built this with governments for governments. So we didn't go off alone and, and say, here's what you should do. We actually partnered with multiple governments you know, we find each government is is a lot different from each other. And in fact, when you talk to a government, they're not always just one cohesive entity. They do kind of operate di- different parts of the government. You'll get different answers, and there's lots of a variety of processing and so on. So we wanted to make sure we talk to governments and have them work with us to build this. Uh, so governments are unique, public sector is unique, and yeah, we we brought a team that had expertise into working with these governments to build everything in behavioral insights. We also put explainability at the center. I mean, explainability might not be something everybody's familiar with, but the whole idea is if, if machine learning, if a model or an algorithm is spitting out a prediction, you know, you not only wanna know what it predicted, but you, you should, at least at first, be wondering, should I trust this thing? So we needed to give a lot of extra information. That's what we call explainability. So every time we predict something, we give the logic, the sort of reasons, the influencing factors, and the underlying data. We give all that back to the user so they could always look around and find why a model might think a certain thing about a company. So that's explainability all over the place. And we find a lot of, AI projects don't have that. And so people stop trusting them. They're, they're, they might be a black box where you can't even get in and figure out how the model came up with a certain answer. So that's why we have explainability at the center. We also realized that SAP, the way we tackle a problem might be different than if you go off and, and, and maybe use a, a, a custom service provider. So we took the tact of embedding the machine learning. Embedding means you leave your data in your transactional system. So everything we predict takes all the data happening in your billing and collection system and tax system and figures out the predictions using the training of the data. That lowers simplicity, I mean, that increases simplicity, lowers the risk, um, and allows you to a much, you know, much easier way of administering a system versus taking all your data, sending it out to some other place and processing it for. Machine learning that would be a much bigger effort. We think embedding it is a much more seamless and easy process. We've pre-delivered as much as possible. We think the biggest thing stopping artificial intelligence and machine learning is that it's it, people. People are not ready. They don't have data scientists on staff. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. They can't. You know. They can't afford to invest in these some of these scenarios. So we think pre-delivering as much as possible but also allowing them to tweak it for the uniqueness that they have is the best idea to get started. And of course we focus um, on making it easy to consume and to deploy. So you can deploy in the cloud very easily. Um, It's mostly API driven. So anytime you need to feed data in or uh, punch out for other things, there's, there's lots of APIs that can be used to connect and integrate into all these other places. Those are kind of the key foundations, but of course, there's a lot more to it. And um, we'll get to that in a second.
0: Sure, sure. I like the way you put it. uh, It's kind of this concept of democratizing of AI, like with the governments and for the governments and how you make this more trustworthy and all. I would like to get Arun also into this interesting conversation that we are having. So Arun, to get started, I think maybe could you provide some additional thoughts on the key principles that we have been talking about?
2: Yeah, definitely, Raku. I would like to add a few things uh, uh, from a key principles uh, perspective. Um, as you know, we we started this product from scratch and um, the, the first principle we followed is that we ensure that we have a customer to talk with because that is very, very important um, in order to get the, the the business perspective, in order to get uh, the proper feedback that will definitely uh, helped the product to grow further, right? That was the first thing we did. Uh, we we had a Coinnovation customer, and then we also ensured that uh, we understood their business needs. Um, we we had a long conversation, multiple conversation with uh, the Coinnovation customers to understand their business needs and to understand their specific requirements. Um, and that also really helped us um, to take this product to the, the next level. And uh, we got a lot of requirements. Uh, Uh, And as a next step, what we did, we tried to really segregate this requirement as a machine learning requirements and the non-machine learning requirements. And the kind of uh, the machine learning requirements we got, we ensured that uh, a machine learning mechanism is really needed to solve that sort of uh, the business problems or the, the requirements we got because um, quite often we get requirements from the customer or from the partner saying hey uh, this is a machine learning use case you have to solve this using machine learning but that might not be the case always this some certain business problems can or certain use cases can simply be solved by using a formula. Machine learning is not really needed in certain cases but in this case we ensured uh, along with the data scientist that hey uh, the use cases we have picked up really require some sort of uh, machine learning techniques. Uh, that was another thing and the last thing which is the most important I believe that uh, we ensured that we got some sample data from the customer mm-hmm. because uh, whenever we try to uh, develop or implement a machine learning use case um, it's very important that we understand the data and we understand the real data the realistic data. So only by going through the patterns of the data we will definitely be able to um, find out the different patterns and we'll be able to find out the features which can really um, help to uh, predict the use cases which the customers are uh, really interested in. So um, uh, I would say these are the the, the top principles we followed which really helped us to take our product to the the next level in our journey.
0: Amazing, Arun. I think uh, it's great that uh, as we all know, data is a new oil. So this is where I think data is the one which connects everything and makes put provide nice insights or predictions into the data and into our uh, machine learning models. So taking that further, Arun, so maybe the I would like to put the this question in a different way. So what are the mm-hmm. trying to get a bit more into the product? Like what are the key components in this behavioral insight scenario? Since this is developed exclusively as a machine learning use case, right? That yeah. is again we are tailored to, I know it can work for other scenarios, other applications, but in this context, we're talking about SAP S4 HANA business processes. Maybe could you elaborate a bit more on the key components uh, in this scenario?
2: Yeah, sure, Raku. So before I get into the the key components, I would like to uh, mention a couple of points related to to the business processes. Um, In the current context, the customers uh, and the partners are very well aware of the traditional business processes which are followed in SAP S4 HANA. If I take an example, uh, maybe from a retail perspective, uh, the process starts with a quote and then that gets converted into a purchase order, then sales order, and then billing, payment and delivery it goes something like this right and uh in a typical scenario uh what happens the payment comes sometimes sometimes it doesn't come right and this is where uh the bi is trying to play a role the bi is trying to establish a ai driven business processes in parallel to the, the traditional ones which as Hana, have so if i put the 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 already mentioned the business processes in a slightly different way with the AI context, it can go something like this. It can again start with the code and then a purchase order, sales order, the billing. So the moment the billing happens, the business processes the ai driven the business processes start with behavioral insights so based on the, the 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 billing documents generated it can figure out who could be the, the, the potential debtors or the potential late payers for the billing documents which are generated and uh, uh, when exactly the the payment can be expected for uh, the already generated billing documents and if uh, Uh, If if there is a delay in uh, getting the payment back from the customers, um, the system can probably predict uh, the best next actions or recommend actions which can be taken by the organization to get the money back on time. So behavioral insight is helping the customer to be more uh, proactive in this case. In a traditional way, we see that the organizations, the customers are always reactive. They wait for something to happen. So this is where the importance of behavioral insight, it always tries to be uh, more proactive. Mm -hmm. And, Uh, So this is something about the AI-driven business processes which is offered as part of uh, the Behavioral Insights. Craig also talked about the the proactive approach. So I just wanted to emphasize that once again. And when it comes to um, the key components uh, which are there in Behavioral Insights, I would say there are four different pillars on which the Behavioral Insights is built on. The the first one is called um, the Event Extraction Engine. Um, so whenever the, the transaction what is what is an event first of all so event can be a simple transaction uh, performed by the, the customer um, from a, um, a retail perspective it could be a, an inquiry or a quote or from a tax perspective it could be a tax filing Right? it could be any transaction even it could be a mail or a, a phone call anything can be treated as a transaction and nothing but event in our case and whenever a transaction happens everything is stored in S4 HANA system at this moment in the form of uh, you know the, the backend tables and we call it as raw data. It's very raw. And what does this particular event extraction engine do that it transforms the raw data uh, into the format which the ML understands. Mm-hmm. So this is the first part and we offer a lot of visualizations on top of this simplified uh, raw data. And uh, this will definitely help the customers to get a lot of visual insights um, from the, the complex data set they have in their uh, the core system. And the second component we have is called the prediction engine. So based on um, the, the, the events which are getting transformed out of this uh, event extraction engine. Um, this is fed into uh, the the ML model and the ML model is capable of generating various um, the use cases. So we built uh, an engine all on top of uh, a framework called ISLM, Intelligent Scenario Lifecycle Management. So it's kind of a wrapper engine we have built on top of that. So it helps customer to run different prediction scenarios. So for mm-hmm. example, um, the late payment prediction, late filing prediction, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, the uh, the days to payment, the, the the number of days the the customers are going to make the payment. So th- there could be different types of prediction scenarios. So this engine is really capable of um, running uh, the prediction scenarios, and then the the uh, the third engine is called um, the root cause analysis engine, the pattern and the root cause analysis engine. So um, the, the data is getting transformed and it is becoming uh, kind of a, a simplified format. And then the third engine, it really looks into this simplified data and then try to figure out the the patterns, the patterns in the customer transactions, the, cu- the patterns of the customer behavior. And based on that, it tries to um, form the customer groups. So Technically, we call it as clustering uh, based on the the similar behaviors, the similar patterns, it tries to segregate the data. So we create customer groups using this particular engine. And uh, then finally, we have uh, the best next action engine. So this is it to be developed. So this is in our roadmap. So once uh, the prediction, uh, predictions are triggered, once the root cause analysis is done, uh, something has to be, uh, performed as an action right and sometimes the end users they might not know what needs to be performed and uh, the system can really help the the end user here by recommending certain actions uh, which can really help the organization to get the the money back on time so in a nutshell um, there are four pillars on which the BI is built on the the, um, event extraction engine the prediction engine the root causes analysis engine and then finally the the best next action engine
0: perfect i think it was very comprehensive the way we way you put it around about all the four key components the steps involved in here so to further uh, get into this is this service Uh, developed as an embedded scenario for the S4 or is it a service that runs on BTP? I know that you said that you worked with the ISLM technology, but with the ISLM technology, you could still develop it as an embedded scenario or a BTP service. And if it is developed as a BTP service, is it configured to run on S4 or other applications? Maybe a few thoughts on that.
2: Yes, um, the answer is straightforward, Riku. Uh, the behavioral insights is an embedded scenario uh, at this moment, but mm-hmm. I would like to uh, give some details of why we decided to have BI as an embedded scenario. So we had a lot of um, the brainstorming sessions internally and also with the customer, um, whether we should really uh, make our use case as an embedded way or a side-by-side way. So couple of facts which we have considered in order to take this decision so first thing um what is the kind of uh, data you are looking at and um, and um, uh, where exactly this uh, data persists for example we are looking at um, the operational data the traditional data which uh, comes along with the, the tax processes right and this is there in s4 hana system and uh, what are the other uh, the experience data which you're looking at for example the uh, the, the emails or the reminder mails the phone calls or the, the survey data so uh, when we uh uh, when we discussed this with customers as well, we came to kind of a key figures that it's like 80 to 20 percentage combination. So 80% of the data, nothing but the operational data that stays in the S4 itself and the 20 percentage of the data comes from the, the external system.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This was the first factor we considered. The second thing, the volume of data. Mm-hmm. And another thing, the, the CPU time, the CPU time and the processing time. Um, how long your scenarios are going to run? Uh, is it like um, millions of data or uh, trillions of data which are going to process it? And another factor, the the effort on the customer side in order to uh, replicate to a different system and then to maintain it. So is it going to be too much for the customer? So by considering all the facts, so we have uh, together with the customer decided that it's better for all the scenarios uh, which we are targeting right now. Um, It's it's going to, and also in the nearby future, it's better if we treat that as as the embedded scenario. It's not a heavy scenario, it's a lightweight scenario. at this moment Um, so Mm -hmm. um, we together decided that it's going to be an embedded scenario um, and that's how it's uh, designed and implemented
0: perfect perfect so it's good to know that so the even the implementation from the customer standpoint might be much more simpler and I think the benefits are much more easier good I think uh, we had um, some nice interesting conversation going on so let us take a quick break and then come back and continue our conversation (laughs) All right, so welcome back. Some interesting conversation going on about uh, the concepts around behavioral insights and how we are uh, SAP has built this. So maybe over to you, Craig. I know we briefly touched based on the concept of explainability. Maybe uh, could you elaborate a bit more on how does the customer understand these predictions that are provided when the probable delayed customers are highlighted? And so. Maybe you could exp- uh, exp- explain a bit more.
1: Sure. Explain about explainability. Yes. Um, basically, yeah, I did say earlier, this is one of the key foundations of our product. And um, this, it's true. So yes, we basically don't want to have some of these old, you know, black box methods. You know, people sometimes just spin up the easiest type of method, like a neural network or something, and it it's great. It figures out the problem. It figures out great predictions, but they're in no way explainable. They're no way actionable and so on. Yeah, our use case centers around governments. It centers around giving an end user in, it, in a tax agency information they need to collect a little, a little bit better or in a proactive manner. So we need to have multiple levels of explainability. Um, For the end users, we wanna give them what the model is predicting, but we also wanna show them all of the the factors that went into that score. So that's a big deal. And that's something, I don't think I've seen any other use case around SAP that had that concept in it. So we we sort of paved the way there. Um, And that meant we had to build out some new concepts in the user interfaces as well. So we've worked with some great design teams in SAP to have all this great explainability brought to the end user. So we also, but we also give all the analytics, all the data underneath the prediction. You know, when you run a model, it, it runs through training. It, it then does the prediction uh, whenever you decide to, and it consumes all this data and, and comes up with that score. So we said, why don't we just deliver all of those Uh, all the underlying data as some additional analytics. And we did that. So yeah, Arun mentioned that as well. We have some great visualizations that again, we worked with some great design teams. How do you bring the entire customer history or the entire customer journey uh, for one customer into one graphic? And we did that. And I think it, it helps explain why someone might have a high or a low risk score. But then for the analyst, right? So there's actually a whole new category of user that we want to target with explainability concepts. And it's kind of like they're they are not really a data scientist. They're more or less an analyst, right? Somebody that consumes data, understands processes, is looking to refine the business process and improve it so we can collect more. So they're kind of looking to take all the, these predictions together and figure out, um, different things. So we're looking at things like uh, a Shapley or a Shap model for explainability, which, as you know, is a kind of a, a tool set or a library of some great graphics. Actually, SAP supports those in our underlying um, uh, model in our underlying uh, technology. So we want to consider how we could bring some of these great explainability concepts to this type of end user and even something like a causal graph. Right, a causal graph is kind of like a graphical way of seeing we did this and it led to the, these other things, and, and and you could kind of trace forward or backwards in a business process to see what causes good behavior, what causes bad behavior, so on and so forth. So these are whole new concepts. We haven't gotten to some of those later ones I just talked about, but we, these are things in the world of explainability now, explaining. Machine learning and uh, AI to uh, different types of end users that we are uh, really working towards.
0: Perfect, uh, Arun. I like that uh, uh, the way you've put it around explaining how we are build these machine learning models and how you've increased that trust for the end users when they are using these models. That is very important. Uh, so going back to you, Arun now that we talked about these different concepts and how the functionality is built into the business processes, maybe could you elaborate or highlight a bit around the algorithms that are used or algorithm? I know there is always like some kind of a hybrid algorithm or Um, do a lot of uh, uh, programming or coding around that, but can you uh, elaborate a bit more on that?
2: Yeah, sure, uh, Riku, Um, as I, already mentioned there are different uh, the engines uh, built as part of um, behavioral insights and uh, we support multiple or different types of machine learning use cases as well um, to start with uh, we have to, the prediction use cases like the late payment prediction and this is kind of a classification scenario um, that someone is going to pay or not right and um, we have used the HANA APL algorithm um, mm-hmm. for this particular case and uh, um, I also spoke about about the clustering use cases. We have used uh, the k-means algorithm for that. Um, And uh, everything is packaged. These algorithms um, come as a package with uh, ISLM framework and um, we have used the ISLM as a core framework in order to uh, pre-deliver our scenarios and uh, uh, it's it's a very flexible tool uh, there are flexibility offered both from the islm standpoint and also from the behavioral inside standpoint um, the customers are um, free to extend uh, this the pre delivered scenarios uh, if if they see that uh, the accuracy is not that great and the predictions are not working as expected so they can definitely bring in new parameters because um, there are standard extensibility concepts offered with um, both this uh, i guess as well as behavioral insights, um, the CDS view is an integral part of both the um, uh, the components and uh, the CDS extensibility is a very uh, common feature or a very common approach which the customer can also follow in order to extend the, the standard capabilities. So um, in a very high level, yes, uh, we are using the standard uh, uh, algorithms, the APL and the K-means for the use cases, which are supported at this moment. And uh, it's highly extensible for customers.
0: Perfect. I think it is very good that uh, it is extensible for the customers and you could also fine tune the data and the different parameters. Anything, any other thoughts you would like to put? I know we did talk about these high level concepts, but any other thoughts that you would like to put around this, the various steps that are involved, the different steps that are involved in building this use case?
2: Yes, um, it took some considerable time for us to uh, really reach uh, where we are right now. Um, And uh, um, what we did in the beginning, as I mentioned, we ensure that uh, we get a customer to talk with. And then the moment we have a customer, uh, we got into a design thinking uh, workshop with the customer uh, for a week or so. And uh, we uh, discuss the business processes in detail. We uh, prioritize the use cases. And then together with the customer, we, found the machine learning specific use cases um, this was the first step we did and uh, um, as a follow up yes the customer was very uh, um, uh, they were they were okay with uh, they were very kind enough to give us uh, data the shared the data but it was completely the anonymized one and uh, from a development standpoint so we had a dedicated system to to load the customer data since we got that in the form of excel uh, and uh, we got into the data exploration activities that had gone into multiple iterations, if I remember right. because uh, uh, we uh, had to really understand uh, the the technicality of the business process, how exactly the different transactions are getting persisted. Um, We also took the help of um, the expertise from the customer side, both from the technical as well as the functional expertise to understand the technical data flow. And uh, we sat with the real, the business users of customers to understand the potential parameter which can really help in um, running our prediction use case and then uh, by combining all this information which we collected during the data exploration, uh, we slowly started applying uh, or started converting uh, these features into uh, the technical artifacts. And then we built our uh, the first model. Uh, so this was built using Python because that was the first, the, the first iteration of the data exploration. Um, And then once we have the the first model ready, and when uh, we were a little confident that, okay, now let's get into the next phase. Let's uh, probably test with uh, some more volume of customer data. Um, And again, the customer was uh, very supportive. They helped us to uh, test our model with a little more data volume. And... uh, uh, Frankly speaking, many things did not go well as expected uh, because of various reasons. Um, and uh, we had to you know, really sit with the customer for weeks. So we uh, had a customer visit, um, we, we did things together. Um, and uh, finally, in a week or two, we could make uh, the model a uh, little more performant. And then uh, we also, uh, got more confidence to, you know, really uh, take our model into the next level. So um, this was discussed again with the customer and uh, they, uh, we, we came up with kind of a temporary mechanism in this case to uh, test our model, the final model with a, um, you know, production-like dataset customer had a sandbox system where they had uh, the exact replica of the production data. So here as well, um, uh, we we came up with a temporary approach to test that somehow to uh, keep our model in a standalone system and then um, connect with the customer system um, and to run the model on the customer data. So. We did this final validation successfully, and then uh, we were completely confident to uh, release our first use case, nothing but the the first model um, as part of um, the the standard delivery. Uh, Yeah, it was a long journey, but uh, uh, it was a great collaboration with the customer. Um, I I think it's very important that we understand uh, the customer requirements and uh, understand, and work closely with the customer, uh, understand their data and, get their trust in order to proceed further in this such processes.
0: Great, great. I think um, uh, I like the complete uh, process flow that you have explained here. And uh, like any AI machine learning projects, I think definitely there's a lot of uh, efforts that you have to put in, sit with the customer, understand. And then And in this particular case, since it's more like a co-innovation use case as well, um, it's good that you put a good amount of uh, customer data and customer experience while building this. So I I believe uh, this is a great use case for our audience and for our customers and partners. Uh, before we go for the closing remarks, maybe I come back to you, Craig. Uh, I know we discussed this is a very interesting topic and a very interesting use case. So what are you working on the next for your team? Maybe you can quickly highlight that before we go back on a break and come back for the closing remarks.
1: Sure, yeah, we do. We are working on some exciting new things. Uh, I would say two big things that we're working on. One is what uh, Arun had mentioned earlier. Uh, You know, can we help recommend a best next action? You know, that is, can we use all this data that a customer has in in their own system to figure out which actions worked, which actions didn't work, and then figure out based on a certain situation, which action would work the best and there's actually you know it's not that simple there's a whole bunch of intermediary steps and so we're not just going to deliver a thing that says here do this we're going to deliver something that actually tells you uh, gives you a lot of the information how is it measuring the success, what is the probability why and maybe give you a few different actions but but potentially tell you which one is is better and for which reason. Um, so there's, anyways there's a lot of steps there. And uh, again, we want to have explainability as a, all a part of that, and we want to consider that each action has a cost, and it has a, a benefit, and it has a probability. So there's a lot of different factors we need to use all that information and and uh, provide that in an easy to consume way. The second big thing is we want to make our overall product and framework useful outside of public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, public sector is a particular form of billing and collections. But if you go to a company, a private sector company, they do the same thing. They bill for all of their products and services. They have a collections team that's out trying to, to optimize their revenue. And uh, they might have similar processes. Of course, a tax return isn't part of that process, but um, other transactions are. So we want to kind of adapt or build some new te- uh, pieces to our framework that allow this to be fully extended and used in other Uh, in a generic way, or potentially other industries like utilities industry, telecommunications. You know, we naturally would fit with someone that has high rates of high volumes of bills, subscription bills, or any other type, either business to business or business to consumer. So as long as it fits with that, our overall framework could be used in lots of other types of use cases outside of receivables, outside of financials. But I think we're going to you know, we don't want to jump too far away from the places we already have natural uh, built up knowledge here. So um, those are some exciting things that that we're working on in our roadmap.
0: Perfect. Uh, and it's amazing that you guys are also thinking outside of uh, the public sector segment as well, because this is one of those use cases which is very much needed and very much helpful in uh, many different scenarios. All right, so before we uh, do our closing remarks, let us take a quick break and then come back. All right, welcome back. So we had a great conversation with our SAP guests, uh, Craig uh, and Arun. So over to you, Craig, uh, before uh, we end this uh, or complete this podcast session. Uh, any closing remarks or any key takeaways that you would like to provide to our audience?
1: Sure. Um, you know, going back to all the things we've mentioned here, you know, governments believe it or not, they are innovating. <laughs> Some people still find that hard to believe, uh, but it's true. Um, you know, SAP is ready to partner with with companies or with organizations across any industry to help them deliver on. Use cases and machine learning use cases. And certainly, we will bring all of our expertise and try and deliver these use cases and make them standardized and make them extendable across these different uh, use cases. Um, we focus, of course, and in our case, we specialize in embedded and explainable types of scenarios. Um, you know, these use cases to hopefully focus on business value. Remember, we talked a lot about business value. And of course, um, making things turnkey, you know, the biggest obstacle to AI adoption by most people's account is is it's too difficult, it's too costly, it's too risky. So if we could make scenarios like the ones we talked about today turnkey and so easy to just activate, that will lower the risk and increase the adoption. And those are the kinds of things um, SAP is working on. And one last takeaway, you know, I think, I just wanna drop this in here. It's an exciting time at SAP. And we kind of have the whole company figuring out and working on and, and getting better in the artificial intelligence space. Uh, we're coming at it from all angles. We of course have lots of expertise and lots of business processes, um, systems and industries. And we're kind of using all areas. Uh, there's lots of enablement programs for us as employees to find and harvest Use cases across all these areas. There's lots of learning opportunities on the power of AI, on the different tools available, both tools that SAP has, but also tools that are out there in the in the AI world, and um, and our team is is taking advantage of that, of course, with our use case building out a framework that kind of fits for lots of these use cases, um, and and fully connected and integrated with. Our platform, so it's an exciting. It's exciting to be part of this product, but it's also exciting to be part of of SAP at this at this time. And I think we're making a good run at at competing in the AI and and bringing this to our customer base.
0: Perfect, awesome, awesome, Craig. Some some very great, uh, very nice uh, closing remarks that you have provided with regard to how AI innovation is happening in the governments, in the public sector, and also how that. SAP is helping that transition happening with all these uh, in in, in the public sector uh, scenarios. Over to you, Arun. Uh, Could you also provide some key takeaways and closing remarks for our audience?
2: yeah sure Um, the journey was amazing so far and uh, the customers are excited about the the ai features Uh, but what i learned is uh, they need our support for finding the the right use cases and tool for building their own ai scenarios etc so uh, we should be you know a little more proactive in discussing this topic with the customers and also Try to bring the the awareness about what SAP is capable for um, in the space of AI. Um, this this is my biggest takeaways uh, during um, the, the the journey of BI.
0: Okay, yeah, I very much agree with you, Arun. Proactive is the keyword, and how well you can adapt and involve the customers, and understanding more better more newer scenarios and how you can yep. implement them. Thank you, Craig, for your time. Really appreciate your uh, efforts in putting this together with me. My pleasure. And thank you, Arun, as well, in providing uh, your thoughts around this. Yeah, my
1: pleasure,
0: too. All right, let us now wrap up this uh, Podcast 25, which is where uh, we had some interesting conversation about the public sector and the impact of how ai can be leveraged in public sector i would first like to thank our guests mr craig kennedy and arun matthew to take the efforts in explaining uh, the scenario or the use cases that they have uh, made available and how some of the local and global governments are leveraging these scenarios I hope this is helpful. And uh, if you have further questions on this, feel free to reach out to me or my colleagues, uh, Craig Kennedy or Aaron Matthew. Uh, And there are some interesting uh, demos and conversations that you could have. Furthermore, as always, you can search up the other podcasts, or you can search up the podcast series, uh, Machine Learning and AI Applications, and you can find many more uh, podcasts on various different topics with under AI. If you have any feedback, feel free to send a message on my Twitter handle at RKBanda or you could also send an email at vankata.ragu.banda at sap.com or ragu.banda at Like always, I would like to close this conversation by providing some thoughts like how you can think about what other conversations we can do or what other podcasts that I can bring in uh, with regard to AI in the enterprise space. Feel free to provide some feedback. And if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to me on my social media handles or emails. I would also like to thank you all for taking your time and spending your time in listening to this conversation. Uh, and have a wonderful morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are tuned in from. Happy predicting the future
1: with AI technologies. Thank you.